All right, Bizzlecasters, welcome to part one of my two-part podcast with Australia's own Brittany Howarth, a.k.a. Brit Girl. We had an amazing discussion together that went so long and so well, I decided to split it up in two. So for this first part, which I wanted to get out as quickly as possible, we discussed the amazingness that is the Wonder Woman film. Um, and you'll hear us reference uh, other topics in this one, most especially Batgirl, which is how we connected a couple months ago when it was announced that Joss Whedon was doing a Batgirl movie, He's Brit Girl's favorite character character. She's a big DC Comics fan. Um, so we talk about Batgirl in the comics, what Joss Whedon's plans are with Batgirl, um, other major female superheroes, uh, either recently that have come out or are coming out soon, Jessica Jones from The Defenders, Supergirl, the other ladies of the CW, and so forth. So enjoy our part one with Wonder Woman uh, uh, discussion, and definitely check back for part two, talk about Batgirl, JJ, and all the other great female superheroes out there, including in video games and other media. So enjoy. She with you? I thought she was with you. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to a very special edition of the Bizzlecast here today with Brittany, a.k.a. Brick Girl. We became buddies online. I've been really looking forward to this podcast, and you guys will see why very soon. So, Brittany, welcome to the Bizzlecast. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So, you already have... Uh, you- Three things that I immediately liked about you when I uh, found you on YouTube with your Batgirl video, which we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, you are a huge comic book fan. You're an Australian and you're a redhead like me. Yes. I like all three <laughs> of those things very much. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, the red hair. Yep. It's the, it's the, you know, the cherry on top, literally. And with your, uh, your interview with Makad Brooks uh, from, from Supergirl inducting him into the redheaded club, I thought was a bold move, but I fully support you know, um, what I actually did is I ended up meeting him at Supernova, which is an Australian convention. Mm-hmm. So I went in, I got a photo with him, and I gave him a pack of redhead matches oh, that's just cool. to properly induct him. That's absolutely great. Um, I uh, discovered uh, Brittany um, through YouTube when it was announced that Joss Whedon, who's basically my hero in life, uh, was doing Batgirl, who I didn't know a ton about at the time. I knew she was awesome, and I knew that if Whedon specifically wanted to do her, that it would be even super awesome. And having read a ton of Batgirl comics since then, she's maybe my favorite character uh, on the comic book page right now, and we'll talk about why later. Um, And uh, I was really just watching tons of fan reactions to the announcement about Joss Whedon. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk Wonder Woman uh, to start off um, because right now it's Saturday, June 3rd in America and Philadelphia. It is Sunday, June 4th in Australia. What time is it over there? So it is 9.55 a.m. 9.55 And I'm still in my pajamas. Yes, that's what we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it, Wonder Woman is getting incredibly well received on all levels. But really quick, Brittany... Um, I would love to uh, have you just give a quick kind of where am, where am I at? What am I doing right now for the audience? And we'll go into some more depth uh, later um, about that stuff, um, especially when we get to uh, Batgirl, which we're going to spend some serious time on um, because we're both really excited about that as well. Um, so really quickly, just give the listeners a, a little idea. I know you're in school. You do some jobs. You are doing podcasting and video stuff. So just give us a little taste of Brit Girl in uh, 2017. 
Yeah, so um, my name's Brittany. I run the channel Brit Girl. has a few different pop culture videos there, but mostly I um, freelance for this Australian online magazine called Novastream. There I do a couple of interviews, reviews, videos. Uh, I did a cosplay video there as well. Um, currently, to, to actually for money, I am a barista, so I make coffee. If you ask for decaf, I will turn you away. No, I can't do that. I'm not allowed. Um, I'm also at university, so I'm studying a creative – oh, my goodness, I can't even remember what I'm studying. Third year in and I've forgotten. <laughs> That's I'm supposed studying, to happen, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's just too much. It's too much. I'm studying a Bachelor of Creative and Professional Writing, mm. um, and I have completed my minor in Chinese, which is pretty much – Wow. Just left the building. I can't remember much about the Chinese language. That's so funny. Um, I was just really quickly, I was a philosophy slash religion major in college and was really into Taoism and Chinese philosophy and thought I was actually going to go into grad school um, and go to China and study Chinese and learn about Chinese philosophy. I ended up starting an African music company, going a different way. We're not going to talk about that now, um, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Um, so you're working your way through school. Um, how does the school system work really quickly in Australia um, compared to the U.S. system, if you're familiar with our four-year undergraduate and then you get a master's in a couple years and then PhD? Is sort of the, the final level here? Yeah, um, it's it's probably not as confusing as I think it is. Um, I, what you do is we usually finish high school about 17, 18. Um, depends on what state you're actually from in Australia. You generally either take a gap year or you go to uni. Um, uni, in my case, is only meant to have taken three years, but I took a gap year in the middle of my degree and then I also decided instead of taking four units, which are classes mm-hmm. per semester, which is every six months, instead of doing four, I did three. So that stretched out my degree a little bit more. Um, but yeah, generally, it's probably about three to four years for a bachelor um, consisting of, gee, uh, <laughs> now I've got to do math. It's four, oh, no, eight, please don't 12, do math. 16. <laughs> yeah. 16. What's this? 20. <laughs> Four, <laughs> 24 classes. There you and go. that includes your major and your um, your minors. So you, you, choose, your, you choose your minor uh, majors pretty much straight off the bat, okay. what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you can chop and change. So I started with uh, a dual degree. Mm-hmm. So two majors in film TV and creative writing. Mm-hmm. And then I felt that um, because I live so far away from uni, it was a bit difficult to carry all the equipment from uni and stuff whenever I had to do a film project, but also because I was not enjoying it (laughs) at all. I hear that. It's tough with it. Yeah. And you you think you're going to study one thing, you end up studying another thing, and then you're like, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. I ended up getting my master's a bunch of years uh, after college and thought I was going to do a PhD and then be a professor and decided I didn't want to do that because I like like being uh, among the people and working with, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers and so forth. So just roll with it. You know, it sounds like you've got a pretty good plan. And, uh, you know, learning how to write is never a bad thing. And and let me tell you, in this country, the education system is such a mess. Um, I hope you guys have a better <laughs> a better track record for for uh vocabulistics um as rocket would say um but uh it's great that you're involved in this media stuff um I, you know but maybe we'll talk about youtube later i hope you just start doing more youtube because I, I love your youtube videos that you have done um and uh you know and just your involvement in all this media so we'll get back to this we need to talk wonder woman Brittany, because yes we need to <laughs> this movie okay first of all I, I'm just going to speak my quick piece about 
my DC up till now experience um, and, and a couple quick thoughts. I'm going to throw it to you. And I'd like to for us not to do a straight up review because it's been said a million times how spectacular this movie is. And everyone I know, um, and every cool celebrity and, uh, and voice on Twitter and elsewhere that I follow fucking love this movie. And by the way, this is an explicit lyrics podcast. I don't know if you, you have a bad language, but if you do, you should not resist. Um, but anyways, I fucking love the movie. Everyone fucking loves the movie. It's got a 93 from both critics and fans on Rotten Tomatoes, which almost never happens that it's that high on both. Has an 8.4 and 8.5 on IMDb, which is extremely high for a movie, especially for a female property, which we're going to get back to later when we talk Supergirl, Batgirl, Jessica Jones, and so forth. Um, it's very hard to get a rating like that in IMDb where the haters can do a lot of voting. Um, and uh, the only, only hater so far about this movie is Fox News, of course, who was advising people to see Baywatch instead because it's more American than Wonder Woman. I'm not making this oh, up. Oh, gee. Yeah. Uh, You're luckily, kidding. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not making this up. That was an actual oh. comment by a female commentator on uh, Fox News. Um, but uh, luckily, everyone hates them for the most part. So no, that's fine. Uh. So here's where I'm oh, coming I guess from. You, I guess that is a real um, example of fake news. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they invented fake news. and uh, <laughs> I mean, they're getting outpaced by our president, though, which is a problem for them. I mean, there's actually people at Fox who don't like him. But we're not going to talk about that now because he's an evil, horrible person. <laughs> um, but anyway, so here's where I'm coming from, Brittany. So I grew up a Marvel guy. I love the Batman animated series growing up. That happened when I was like 12 years old. It was, it's really like almost an adult cartoon, how, how brilliant it was. Batgirl was awesome in it too, in her appearance, appearances. I love the original Batman. I didn't grow up on the Richard Donner Superman movies. Honestly, I don't know if I've seen them. I maybe have seen the original Superman once, I think. I don't think I've seen the other ones, but about a year alone, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But about a year to, a uh, year and a half to two years ago, uh, a friend of mine from college, Matt Goisman, who was also in the religion department, but we didn't know each other and he actually wrote his senior thesis about DC Comics their Jewish roots um, and uh, you know the mythology behind them the religious elements behind them um, you know them being uh, you know DC and Marvel really starting with a lot of Jewish creators during the Holocaust and so forth Um, he did a big paper about that and he's a humongous DC fan Uh, Superman and the Flash in terms of the comics are his favorite he got me much more into the DC universe and I'd ever been. I, again, I grew up a Marvel guy and for the most part have loved the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, although I, that's waning a little bit. I'm able to talk about that later. But anyways, he got me to start watching CW. And while I don't really love The Flash and, and I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with Arrow, although I love the f- uh, first few seasons, you guys should check out um, Nova Stream's uh, podcast that um, Brittany ran um, a, a little while ago about the season finales of uh, the CW. I fucking love Super Girl, which we're going to talk about later. Um, but just so I shut up and let you start talking, I'm just going to say this. I did not love Batman v Superman. I wasn't expecting much, but I liked it even less than I thought. I know there's some division here among fans, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, in my two years of podcasting, Brittany, I made a lot of predictions, and I've been wrong on a bunch of them. <laughs> but <laughs> there were two predictions that I've made that I felt a thousand percent confident would come true. 
and they and they both did. The first was the casting of Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. I said immediately that that was going to be spectacular, even not knowing a ton about the comics of Jessica Jones, but knowing what she was about and the characters around her. I thought that show was going to be spectacular, and indeed that's turned into my favorite show easily of the last few years. My second prediction was the second I walked out of Batman v Superman, I said Gal Gadot is a star. She's going to be amazing, and if they get a half decent director, um, that movie is going to be spectacular and she is a fucking going to be a huge superstar they got patty jenkins they came true more than i possibly could imagine so that's where i'm at so you've seen the movie twice i saw it once um i I don't even know where to start talk about wonder woman (laughs) wonder woman is like insanely fantastic and i do agree when you leave the cinema of batman versus superman she is the redeeming factor she's the biggest redeeming factor and her um, performance is only made better by this film because you actually see why she doesn't want to get involved, why she's just like, no, I, I'm going to go on this uh, flight and I'm going to get out of America. Um, I, I do understand why you didn't like Batman versus Superman. It's a very interesting film. And I was talking with um, a uh, colleague from Novastream the other day, and he was saying that every time he watches Batman versus Superman, he sees something more. And you do, especially when you watch the three-hour cut. But it's yes. not a sit-down, watch-once film. I've heard that's Sorry? much better. I've heard that ex- it, it, the extended cut is much better, yeah. It is. It's definitely a lot better. It's unfortunate that they cut it out. I mean, like, it would have been interesting to have options when you went to the theater to be, like, two-and-a-half-hour or three-hour film. And I'm sure a lot of fanboys would have gone the three-hour film. But um, what Wonder Woman has done is it's gone from the really chunky, juicy... Uh, I guess four tier club sandwich of how crazy Batman versus Superman is. And it's gone down to Wonder Woman, which is just a classic, simple um, Hollywood structure in that film. But it's focused on the characters so beautifully. Like, definitely everyone's walking away saying Gal Gadot is fantastic. And she is. But I can't let Chris Pine not get enough praise. He, as Steve Trevor, was just fantastic. Like, I kind of, I don't read that many Wonder Woman things, but I'm kind of like, Wonder Woman is amazing. Steve Trevor is just like, he's just there. That's yeah. what my opinion was of his character beforehand. Mm-hmm. But um, seeing him on from, screen. You could tell from the trailers, I'm sorry. You, you could already tell, but he even exceeded my expectations. He was so good. He, yeah. And he said so much in just, just a glance. And I think that's where Gal and Chris both just shone because it's just so much was said not just in the dialogue but in the way just their facial expressions changed um i'm not sure if this is a spoiler podcast are we doing spoilers okay so for this first talk about wonder woman let's keep it relatively non-spoilery and maybe at the end if we have time we'll do a spoiler piece uh, which i'll uh put the warning sign on you could talk about vague stuff people if you've seen the trailers or know anything about wonder woman you'll know some of this stuff but let's not do any major reveals uh for now yeah but one thing i do love about um all the dc films so far apart from suicide squad that just Oh. I, I couldn't get through five <laughs> minutes of that movie. I, I, BVS held my attention at least. I couldn't get through Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because all the characters were fantastic, but that's another film. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you're saying how your mate introduced you through um, with uh, how he was doing religion studies and comics. Yes. And I feel that Zack Snyder pulled that across to BVS and all that. But more importantly is that they've had the balance of that um, 
religious aspect, I guess, in Wonder Woman, not just like like Christianity or, or Judaism, Judaism or whatever, but also the kind of myth- mythological kind of religion from the, from the Greeks and all that, and how you know what I reckon. Um, this is what really comes into it. It's not a spoiler, but there's a bull. A bull comes out of nowhere at one point in the film, and I swear that is a link to Zeus. I swear that bull is Zeus. Yes. And I'm going to put my money on it. <laughs> and she has a very knowing glance at the bull. I laughed. I thought that was a piece of comedy as well. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> you know, like yeah, in, in all of this madness, you know, that she would like have a moment with an animal, the only like sanity on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. But apart from, which is funny, the apart from, I only just thought of this now, the bull, peacocks are shown on the island. Horses, of course, but it's it's very telling of Greek mytholo- mythology just to have those little bits because the peacock is Hera's animal. That's her animal of choice. And then a, a bull, I would guess, connects to Zeus. So I think there's a lot more in the visuals that that we just don't know that Patty has put into it. Can I just praise Patty Jenkins? Please, My goodness. Preach. Go, Patty. You you wonderful person, you wonderful director, please stay with DC. Yes. Please. <laughs> I am so glad she didn't do Thor 2, which would have been fucking spectacular because she was made to do Wonder Woman. Mm. Yeah, I feel like everything just fell into place for Wonder Woman. And, yep. and although it's unfortunate we've waited so long to get a Wonder Woman film, we've waited so long, but it came out so beautifully. So amazing. I mean, in two, I sent you this link. In 2005, it was announced that Joss Whedon was writing and directing Wonder Woman, and then they ditched the project. You know, I think actually, um, just thinking about the writer point of view, I think Zack Snyder did actually end up writing Wonder Woman. It was Zack Snyder, um, Alan Heimberg, who's a longtime comic book writer, has written tons of Wonder Woman and, and Justice League, as well as Marvel stuff. He was the actual screenplay, but story was mm-hmm. um, Alan Heimberg, um, Zack Snyder, and I think Jeff Johns, I want to say. Um, I've just brought up the IMDb, so we've got oh, Jason um, Alan Heimberg yeah. yep. from the screenplay. We've got Zack Snyder uh, and Jason Fuge. Is that how you pronounce it? Fuchs, the I story. think. Yep. Yeah. So they've just, it's certainly kudos to Zack Snyder as well for being able to write so amazingly. And it's kind of like, we we do put our foot down to say, you know, women should be writing women characters. And yeah, I mean, like that, that will help. That helps a lot. But guys can do it. I mean, like, seriously, it's not that big of a deal if Zack Snyder wrote the script. I mean, yeah, he did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just really quick about BVS, and I wouldn't get back to Wonder Woman, obviously. Um, the thing that my buddy Matt um, hated about BVS and also somewhat hated about Man of Steel, although we agree Man of Steel was much better, um, is Superman and Batman killing people. Um, it's just not true to the comics. And actually, Wonder Woman and the women of Themyscira will kill people in defense um, in the comics, um, but it just makes more sense there. And it seemed like there was senseless killing from Batman and Superman that Snyder, I think, thought he could finesse um, by creating sort of an alternate universe, which, of course, is always happening in the comic book. So I'm actually okay with different portrayals in different universes. You know, people complain that the X-Men t- timeline is all fucked up, but I-, I just look at them as, as sort of parallel universes 
universes and as long as they're artistically cool you know like i thought days of future past was so great i didn't even care about the time paradoxes like you know like i just want to see good artwork when it comes to comic books so i was okay with Zack snyder you know and honestly the the snapping of zod's neck and man of steel did not bother me nearly as much as matt but again he grew up on superman he has you know christopher reeve and the original portrayal of superman is his superman he wrote his fucking thesis about this about needing an optimistic uh view of uh you know having heroes in an age of darkness that superman rep- uh, represents immigrants who came to america um and changed this country for the better and all sorts of things like that um as a way of bringing in comic books um i, I want to hear about your um sort of thoughts about wonder woman the movie as a comic adaptation but w- what are your thoughts about batman and superman and sort of the snyder verse uh, so far well, I actually completely agree because um, that's something I've brought to the table uh, with the whole idea of multiple universes, especially with um, Arrow because I feel like yes. at one point um, Felicity, she ends and she takes on the role very much as Oracle. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and at first I'm just like, oh, why don't you just bring Oracle into this this show? But I Oh, think but what Brittany, we're done- getting Oracle <laughs> in her original context. Don't you worry. I know. I'm just uh, – I cannot wait for that. But um, – but I think it's fine. I think you can take creative license with comic book and that's comic books. And that's the, the beautiful thing about this medium is that with, with a novel and you're taking that to film, you can't really take that much li- like freedom in it, creative license with it. You can add a scene, you can take away a scene that's okay, but the fans will probably get more upset than with comics because comics, you have so many different histories, so many different origins, so many different um, characters that took on the mantles. But um, from, from comic book to, to the films, I think they have done a good job because they needed to do something different than what, what Marvel was doing. And Marvel was really, really hooking on to the bright and colorful stuff um, and a bit of comedy and a bit of easy, easy consumption, I would say. And DC decided to look at more the, I guess, um, the discourses that are that are all the way through comics and stuff. And so, looking at that really does separate DC from Marvel. And I think that's what they focused on. And I think they've done that well. Perfect, no, but well, yes. Mm-hmm. I um. Yeah. I'm more okay with Batman occasionally killing people because Superman is powerful enough to make sure that doesn't happen. But mm. B- Batman is is not powerful enough, to, especially when the villains are so crazy. You know, I mean, if the Joker had died in the Dark Knight, for example, like it might have even been outside of Batman's control. Like Joker almost dies, you know, mm. uh, as much as Batman tries not to kill him. Um, obviously, we'll never it will never know what would have happened in the third movie where the Joker was supposed to return because um, of the sad passing of. Heath Ledger, um, but it, it was just sort of the way that Batman just like lit people on fire and stuff in Batman v Superman that just seemed gratuitous. Um, doesn't really it, bother me. It was very it's it's quite careless and it does actually go with his character a bit more. If you look at the Batman Dark Knight series, you'll see that Batman or Bruce Wayne is quite old, quite grizzled, and he is a bit more careless in how he fights crime because, um, well, in that in that. What happens? I think the Joker at the end of... Because I've watched the animated films. The Joker yes. at the end of those ones is so, so badly beaten, but not just by Bruce Wayne, not just by Batman. Mm-hmm. But by the end, J- the Joker is able to break his own neck, but he does that to um, to implicate Batman so that everyone thinks now Batman's killing and stuff. So it kind of goes a line alongside those stories as well. 
But one thing that also um, gives to why he's so aggressive in Batman versus Superman is the loss of Jason Todd. You'll see before, just before Tim Drake becomes Robin, there's this, um, it's like pretty much Tim's origin story where he he's realizing that Batman's being a bit more brutal and stuff on the streets. And I think mm-hmm. he's seeing this through news media and all that. And Tim decides he's going to figure out who Batman is and remind him that Batman needs a Robin or else he's going to lose it. He's going to cross that line that he's not meant to cross. Mm-hmm. And so that's the origin story of Tim becoming Robin because Tim's like, you need a Robin. You need to have a um, an assistant w- that will hold you back, that will keep you, I guess, kinder. I mean, keep you more heroic than vigilante, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's how Tim is actually given the mantle because Tim's detective skills are incredible. And then Batman kind of tones down his aggressive nature a bit. And just as a tease, A, Batgirl's detective skills are the best. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think, um, I mean, Batman acknowledges that in the comics, as far as I can tell, at least the recent ones, New 52, which we'll get to. Also, we have to and will be, and I want to talk about the killing joke, because uh, that is the one comic where it seems Batman has perhaps killed the Joker, and they have somewhat left it ambiguous. I think he does kill the Joker in that one. Um, and But there's a really problematic portrayal, or not portrayal, but just a problematic thing that happens to Barbara Gordon. And AK Batgirl in that one. Um, but I will argue that DC with the new 52 and now rebirth actually has worked that to their advantage big time um, mm. in, in the, in the rebirth literally and figuratively uh, of Barbara Gordon. But I want to talk about Brittany, something that a lot of people haven't been talking about, at least not yet. Maybe it's to come even from comic book uh, podcasts that I, I listen to, which is wonder woman as a comic book movie. And I don't say this lightly. I've seen pretty much every comic book movie since the dark Knight trilogy and iron man we're talking let's see so batman begins with like oh five and then dark knight and iron man 2008 so pretty much every comic book movie in both universes and even like hellboy and stuff i've seen and uh, honestly and maybe this is just because it's so fresh in my mind this feels oh and i should say i've read probably three dozen issues of wonder woman in the past month um this feels the most like a comic book on screen come to life that I've seen in any of the movies. Agree, disagree, somewhere in between? You know what? I'd probably be closer to agree. But um, that's also, that's actually made me look at all the graphics and stuff a different way as well, because it is, it's stylized, the graphics in this film. Um, But it also links wonderfully back to Hippolyta's story to young Diana, where Hippolyta's talking about why the Amazons were created and all that, and how it's very stylized, that story. Almost like when... um, Clark Kent is being shown why um, what happened to Krypton by his holographic dad. Uh, so you have that, and then you also have it throughout the end of the film, which is kind of like this is Diana's mythology in the making, and that's why they pour it through the CGI. But then also um, exactly what you said, it's it's a comic book movie, and they they're allowed to have that freedom, and and you really do see that in the the graphics that they use. I, I guess what I'm saying is. Yeah, th- th- some of the, the visualizations are different from what you see in the comic books. That's always going to happen. But I swear to God, there were a number of moments 
where both Gal Gadot and Chris Pine really felt like their characters from the comics. I mean, there were some faces from Chris Pine that it almost looked like he was studying Steve Trevor in the comics and displaying that on screen. I don't know if that's the case or Definitely. it's just great casting um, and direction by Patty Jenkins, who, you know, I mean, Patty Jenkins is a comic book scholar at the level of Joss Whedon and, and James Gunn. Uh, so I'm sure she had that in mind. Um, but Gal Gadot, too. I mean, you say, okay, she kind of looks like Diana to begin with. And by the way, uh, Bizzlecast listeners, if you follow me online or listen to the podcast, you know I'm Jewish and it's important, even though I'm not religious or practicing, it's an important part of my identity. Also, Brittany, I have a lot of uh, family from Israel. I lived in Israel for a year. I've been there for like eight, uh, like eight times. I, I lived and worked on an Israeli army base as a volunteer when I was younger. Uh, I wasn't doing any fighting or anything. And I have lots of problems with the, the Israeli government and so forth. I'm a very liberal guy. But I just wanted the experience of, of being on a base and, and, uh, and seeing what that was like. I have dozens of family members who have gone through the army there. And the combination of knowing Gal Gadot's background, my experience in Israel and knowing Israelis, men and women who have served, and then seeing her in BVS, I was like, they couldn't have picked a more perfect individual. Mm. And she is exactly what Israelis are like. Incredibly headstrong to the point where it can almost be overwhelming how intense and stubborn they can be, but they are so sweet uh, inside. And, you know, it can live with the incredible paradoxes of their political situation, you know, and be, have such great pride in, the, in their country and their culture while at the same time having sympathy uh, for other people, even people that they're at odds with. Um, you know, Gal Gadot has been open in her support, uh, both of peace, but as well, of her, as well as her own people. Her, uh, she has family who survived the Holocaust, um, as many Israelis do, and that informs her background. And again, connection with the DC and Marvel coming out of World War II. Um, and uh, Nazi, uh, the Nazi legacy and so forth. I mean, it just all seems to come together. It does, definitely. I will, I will be honest, though. When I first heard Gal Gadot, um, the only extensive knowledge that I had of her was she was a model and that she had been on Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And my first reaction was, no, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. And then someone said she was a part of the Israeli army. She, was, she had been a part of there for like a year or two. And it's just like immediately my stance changed. I'm like, wow. So she has guts. So she's, you know, actually done this physical, like she would have to go oh, yeah. through a certain amount of physical training yep. to be a part of any army around the world. And so immediately I'm like, okay, done. Yep. All right. She's good. We, we can have her. <laughs> well, I don't know if Krav Maga is as fashionable in Australia as it is in the States right now as a martial art that mm -hmm. is learned by both men and women, but that was invented as an extremely practical martial art that's been taught to Israeli soldiers for decades. And she, even with all of her Israeli army training, trained for five months full time before they even started rolling cameras on Wonder Woman to bulk mm -hmm. up and learn all this, you know, sword fighting skills and so forth that she'd have to do. Her physical performance in this movie was flawless. The only person that's even close in comic book movies is um, Chris Evans as Captain America. But because of the mask and the full body uniform, it's so much easier to get stunt doubles in for Cap than it is for Wonder Woman. And I know there were stunt doubles but I couldn't recognize it at any point. And when it was CGI, it was clearly CGI, and that's totally cool. My philosophy about uh, big-budget movies is just make it look cool. I don't need it to look realistic. I like mm. the CGI in Man of Steel, you know, because it just looked kinetic and awesome. My problem yeah. with the action BVS was it just didn't feel as kinetic, and it was so dark. I, I, I mean, 
we can talk about her acting abilities, which are way better than people were giving her credit for, and a lot of people are eating crow right now. Um, they, you know, and uh, I think DC's priority is already, let's get Wonder Woman 2 rolling as soon as possible. Um, but let's talk about her physical performance. Have we seen anything like this from man or woman on screen, at least in the comic book movie before? Gee, uh, the thing is, it's so different because um, Gal has brought such a beautiful naivety to the role of Diana that I haven't seen. It's just like the way she, the way she experiences the world of man. It's not aggressive. It's in, in points it's her, her in disbelief. She does get angry, I guess at points, but it's not, it's, it's not like feminist bashing at all, but it's, it's, you know, it's showing that she is strong and showing that there is weakness in the way that things are run. Um, she has this beautiful way of her face just shows she's in the moment that there, it just looks like she is there. She is the character that there are no, there are no cameras around or anything like that. But one thing that really hones in on her facial features and the way that she expresses herself in the midst of battle and she sees the bullets are flying and the people are dying. She shares a look with her comrades and she bounds ahead and instead of letting the German soldiers be hit, she starts knocking them out. And it's very rare that I actually see Gal do a deathly blow to someone in this film. Normally, she sees people are shooting, she leaps ahead, and she starts knocking out the enemy. She doesn't kill them, which I thought was a very interesting thing to bring to her character. It was. If I can just interject real quick, though. With Wonder, uh, with World War One, which by the way, WW One, I can't be. It seems like a bizarre coincidence, but um, World War One is arguably for the soldiers in some ways more brutal than World War Two. Obviously, there wasn't yeah. the genocidal stuff going on um, as there yeah. was in World War Two. Uh, but how they portrayed it, I thought was great for a PG thirteen movie, and how horrified she was by what was going on to the women, children, veterans, and so forth. Um, and they, they, the trenches historically were exactly like they said, it wouldn't even move inches for years and mustard gas mm-hmm. going back and forth. Um, but even though I knew, um, and people, uh, when you, uh, get to the part of the movie, it's, it's in the, maybe an hour in is the scene that you all know, if you've seen any of the trailers where she just jumps on the battlefield for the first time and goes after the soldiers to protect civilians. Brittany, I knew that was coming, but chills and tears immediately came to my eyes. In fact, it oh, started yeah. happening minutes before she actually did it because I knew it was coming and I knew no man's yeah. land. If you haven't seen the movie, people just remember these three word, no man's land. And if you are yep. not crying or at least get chills at that moment you need to re-examine your humanity that was maybe the most powerful comic book moment i, I have ever seen um bar-, bar none hands down so uh Brittany, i would love to transition into uh, batgirl and sort of the i think the wb batverse that's s- starting to um really take shape um in the movies i want to talk a lot about the comics i know you haven't read a ton of wonder woman i haven't read hadn't read any really before the last couple uh weeks but w- when these big movies come out like when i heard um 
So my third prediction that hasn't happened yet, but I feel confident, as soon as they announced a Black Panther movie with Chadwick Boseman and Ryan Coogler, who directed Creed and Fruitvale Station, I was like, this is going to be amazing in a game-changing movie. And I then went on to read a bunch of Black Panther novels. So I've been doing a lot of research on Wonder Woman for the movie and Batgirl because of Joss Whedon and because I knew you and I were going to talk about it. Um, most of the Wonder Woman I've read is part of the current uh, Rebirth, um, which has just been the last year or two. Now, her formulation as a a daughter of Zeus basically came about in the New 52 which was another reboot that was a few years ago that had very mixed reception although I think both the Wonder Woman and Batgirl uh, New 52s are pretty solid we'll get into the Batgirl soon Um, I really like the rebirth because it's basically for 25 issues been written by Greg Rucka who's written Wonder Woman before and in terms of a male writer of Wonder Woman is really excellent you guys should check out they kind of have dual storylines going on at the same time one is sort of the um, the origin story that we see in the movie, although it takes place in the modern day rather than World War One. But her and Steve Trevor's character are very similar into the movie. And then there's one that goes on concurrently, um, showing her past in Themyscira and other sort of more mythological and supernatural stuff uh, going on. I also read um, some of the 2006 to 2011 Wonder Woman, um, it, which was launched by Alan Heinberg, who we mentioned as the main writer on the current movie. I also read a bunch of Gail Simone. Uh, from that run who's excellent on Batgirl um, as well and she does a great job on Wonder Woman so I know you haven't read a bunch of Wonder Woman comics but you're certainly familiar with her you said you have a friend who's a big Wonder Woman fan let me ask you this how do you feel about the sort of the body image thing I mean they've definitely toned down her look over the past few years but Patty Jenkins and a lot of women and feminists um, and, and women celebrities um, that I've followed online and, and have talked about this have actually, you know, been in support of the notion that it's sexist to say she can't be beautiful and strong and brilliant and amazing at the same time. I know there are some women that aren't, that aren't familiar with Wonder Woman um, who are sort of not sure what to make of the body image, but I'm going to tell you, as beautiful as Gal Gadot is, I never once in the movie was distracted by her looks because I was so focused on her performance and Chris Pine's performance and just how great the movie was. Mm. It's yeah. Body image is a really interesting thing because especially when um, just like the imagery of women in magazines and all that, but uh, you, I've come to learn that even just looking at magazines and saying, Oh, that's not what a real woman looks like. Like, how dare I even say that? Because that is a woman on the pages. That is a woman right there on the pages. And to say that's not what one looks like, that's absolutely false. So to say that someone can't be strong and sexy and kick-ass, and, and although I find that it's overused to say that it's a kick-ass female or whatever, or a badass woman, I, I think that women are so multi-layered. And we don't see anyone complaining about James Bond being good-looking, athletic, sexy, and suave, yep. and all together. And we don't complain about that for male image. So I think that it's to shut down such a beautiful portrayal uh, of Wonder Woman is insane. Yep. And it's, it's, not, it's not kind to anyone. And, and I will say, bizarrely, when Gal Gadot was initially cast... 
there were some women who were somewhat body shaming her for being not full bodied enough. <laughs> um, and now people have come along, you know, come along over time for the most part. Um, and she's definitely bulked up and people, it's stupid anyways, because she's got super strength. It doesn't matter mm. what her muscles physically look like, but it was interesting that some of the body shaming initially was from nerd, uh, well, well known nerd female, um, people on, on the internet that that's definitely died down as Gal Gadot has really won over everyone with just her personality and her charisma mm. in her performance. But, you know, uh, just to take a, a, a pretty famous actress um, who uh, is a huge Wonder Woman fan and supporter and has been tweeting a lot about it, Lupita Nyong'o, um, an English actress okay, of yeah, African yeah. descent who won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave and has done a lot of both uh, um, live action as well as animated uh, stuff. Um, she is gorgeous, um, and but she will model both like more traditional sexy stuff, but she'll also model like full on, you know, long African attire, traditional African attire um, as well. You know, she'll she'll do the whole range, and I, I agree with you. I think you know, w- it, it, women should be the ones. I mean, it's not that men can't have opinions about this stuff, but like, oh yeah, that's fine. Everyone yeah. has opinions it, about everything, right? But but you know, for man to be like a Wonder Woman's too sexy you know but uh, <laughs> women to be like fuck you like we love her like you know w- w- you know we don't just love her because you think we were body shamed I- into loving her because of her body or whatever like we love her because she's wonder woman mm-hmm. and patty jenkins has I been very open about that go ahead there's um there's a wonderful discussion to be had here because people people can i guess you can have a discussion like this and be quite detached just I feel that it gets dangerous when it becomes quite attacking of of anyone in this powerful role, no matter who the character is or what the actress is. As soon as it becomes attacking, that's when it's really dangerous. Yes. But, I mean, we do get really get caught up in pol- political correctness nowadays. And I think as long as, as long as you know, you, you just got to take care in what you say and you also have to be able to have an open conversation. So if someone was to say um, one woman wasn't portrayed strong enough, and I'd be like, okay, why? Like, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And then I would reply with why I think she was, why she was strong enough. And I think there's, I would say that I think she was strong enough because she so showed vulnerability because she was able to have moments where she was just in awe of man's world. And it's just ha- being able to open that conversation. And I think that's what we really need to focus on rather than shutting down and slamming another person's ideas. Unless they're an internet troll, um, <laughs> then that is a whole other issue that just ah. Oh, well, in which case they're probably not listening to this podcast because I bash internet trolls regularly, and I've only gotten hit back a couple times. So, although my audience mm-hmm. isn't gigantic, it's sizable, and people are very civil and and uh, and mature. So I'm lucky in that way. I think once you reach a certain level of following and fame, it's inevitable that you're going to have trolling, no doubt. But if you think oh, she yeah, wasn't definitely. strong enough in this movie, you weren't watching. And actually, Britt, the the thing that was the most frustrating. And, and but I love because of the payoff was I knew how powerful she was going to get by the end because I'd been yeah. reading the comics and I'm like oh I'm just waiting for it but that's what you need in the origin story I mean one of the great things about Captain America um, in the movies is that from 
Cap 1 to Cap 2, uh, Winter Soldier to Cap 3, Civil War, and the Avengers movies, his power slowly increases with each movie, but in a believable way that correlates with the comics. So the fact that Cap's holding a helicopter to try and save Bucky during Civil War, that's the strongest he ever is, but we've, we've earned it. And I think we really earn Wonder Woman's uh, powering up over the course of the movie, and it never needs to be explained. It just makes sense how it unfolds. Mm. Definitely, and especially how um, now I, I feel that there's such a strong connection of women on the island back on Themyscira, especially how like I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong, and shame on me, um, Antiope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Diana's aunt yes. in the in the comics and and on the island. Robin Wright is such a fucking badass. Yeah. Ah, oh, she's just she portrayed that so wonderfully. Like she knows how strong Diana can be, and she pushes Diana. Like you can do this. You can do this. Yep. Um, and that's when we see in the trailer, you'll see uh, Diana crosses her, her gauntlets and all of a sudden a huge pulse of energy just explodes from her. Um, and you can see that. You, you, you get that build up of, okay, she's as strong as an Amazonian and she grows into that. And then she becomes this little bit stronger just as she's leaving the island. Mm-hmm. But there's a very interesting thing. Um, oh, sorry. We're not in the spoilers yet. I won't bring this topic up yet. I'll wait for the spoiler part. We'll just tease the subject matter without giving anything away. Just the, um, just the power behind, because not only Diana is not the only one who has a tiara on the island. Right. All the women have them. Yep. And I believe there's just so much more of a significance behind that. Yep. Yeah, and the fact that she is has differences again, not giving anything away. She is different from the other women on the island, and, and it's it's just well explained enough without being you know i mean there's no exposition fountains as i call it throughout the movie and i really like that you know they they patty jenkins and company really treat the audience with respect and assume that we can follow what's going on by the way we could talk the amazingness of themiscara forever i just never wanted it to end um I, i think they you know doing more Themyscira scenes in Wonder Woman 2 as like flashbacks is probably, I hope, going to happen just so we see I that again. See yeah. Well, we do know that the Amazons are going to be in the Justice League because you can see there's a still that people have taken. And I only realized when I was editing one of my recent videos, I found that still by accident yep. where the Amazonians are leaping into battle against the, um, yes. the new wave of, of terror that the world is facing. Yep, and so we do see them. Something that I picked up on that no one else has said, which was in the trailer, which is when Diana's leaving against her mother's wishes to go to the war. The way Connie Nielsen says you may never return, if you listen closely, she doesn't say you may never return. She says you may never return. Meaning it's almost like yeah. you might not be able to make it. Yeah. You might not be able to come home. You might die. You might die. Right. You might not be able to find your way back. But not. this is not a spoiler because it doesn't happen in the movie. If you guys have read any Wonder Woman comics, we definitely see Themyscira come back time and again in different ways. So, yes. uh, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Um, Robin Wright is such a badass. I would love to see a movie just about Antiope. It would be, it would be so great. Mm. Um, so, we could talk because about that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, we got to move on. I'm yeah, just no. so excited about the Amazonian women. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, this is the most feminist movie that doesn't preach or talk down that's ever maybe ever been made on this level with this budget and this kind of Hollywood production. And I think it's because they create a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's needed. Not attacking words, but kind of like why why isn't Diana heard 
in a room full of manly government officials and soldiers. Yeah. Why is that? And what can we replicate that with today? And it's just, it's, ah. Yeah. It, ah, it, Wonder it, Woman. Uh, amazingly. My, my last thought, and I want to move on to Batgirl, it, I mean, for now, um, is Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. We don't know if he was sexist or chauvinist before we're introduced to him. But he so quickly, from his initial being saved by Diana and then the fight on the island with the women who are using bows and arrows against guns and kick ass, immediately realizes what's going on and his worldview's been changed. And so his shepherding of her uh, for the rest of the movie is more trying to uh, protect her from her naivete, uh, but not yeah. like physical protection, if that makes sense. Like, no, it's. Know. It's explaining, like, this is just how the world of man is run, and we have to find a way around it. We can't just butt heads with them. We have to... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think the ice cream exchange is one of my favorite mini Uh, scenes in anything ever. And it actually takes from the animated film, that Mm. little ice cream scene. Mm -hmm. But that's another point of just showing Diana's naivety, but such perfected, like, perfectly acted by Gal Gadot. (laughs) 